This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Amoir makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Amoir, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style? I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that Amoir has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't really like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give Amoir a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amoir.style forward slash crystal. That is amoir.style 
A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Amoire today. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Payne Show. Jesse, you do not know this, but today I am doing something on Instagram. And I'm going to need your participation oh boy. right now. So I'm doing something on Instagram called a photo every hour. And I have been documenting our day with just sharing one photo with the time that I took the photo. And I'm trying to do one every single hour. And we're right now it is 6.05 p.m. And I've actually managed to do it for almost 12 hours because I started at 6.30 this morning. So we need to document this moment right now. Okay. Do I need a smile? Let's see if we can get both of us in here. I don't that, know. That's how long it takes for her to take a picture. Well, I was trying to hold it up and get both of us in the picture and on the mic, and people are just going to have to envision it. But yes. if you don't follow me on Instagram, I'm the money saving mom on Instagram. I follow you. Yes, I know. I'm not talking about you. No, I said I will follow you. Oh, you're going to follow me. Every once in a while, you comment on my posts or like my posts. So I know you do see some things that I do on the internet, but a lot of stuff you don't see. But if it's about you, I always try to ask your permission before I post it. But anyway, so thank you for participating. You have my permission to post that picture too. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you for participating in today's project. Also, I had a radio interview this morning that I didn't tell you about. This was the one that you thought was going to possibly be an hour long? Well, typically radio interviews, when you do a live radio interview, it's usually no more than seven minutes. It's kind of maybe five to seven minutes as long as until a commercial break. If you think of radio, usually their segments are sometimes even three or four minutes long. Um, And so you might stay for two segments and so it would be 15 minutes. Well, so I knew I was going to have this radio interview today. It was with Faith Talk Live, I think, in Atlanta. And last night, then I was looking at the details. I always look at my calendar the night before and I realized it's booked for an hour. And I was like, that's kind of a long time typically. So just to clarify, I have a publicist who works with my um, publisher and she books all of my stuff. And she had asked me if I was available, but I just thought, oh yeah, radio interview, seven minutes. (laughs) So it was booked for an hour. Well, I get on and it was not, they weren't going to call me on the phone, which is typically on a radio interview, they're going to call me on the phone. They didn't. And there wasn't a call in number. It was actually a link. So I got on and was on StreamYard, which I think I've, done some podcast or something. I don't know. I, I've used it before, but it's been a long time. It was a Facebook Live and a radio interview at the same time. So, and they stream it on some other platform as well. So I was just really happy that I hadn't thought, oh, radio interview, like, yeah, really? I can be in my PJs. So, how did they do commercial breaks? 
So then it ended up only being, I was looking at the amount of time. I think the interview was only 10 minutes long, but I was live with them. So they said, okay, now we're going to go live on Facebook. And then they pressed the button and they said, oh, and by the way, the audio then will go live on the radio on Saturday. So so it's a pre-recorded radio show. And okay. they're using... That makes sense. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a cool idea because they're getting live coverage at, you know, video on mm-hmm. their Facebook page and they, some other platform. I don't remember which. And then also maybe on Instagram. I don't know. And then also they're recording the audio and then using it. And I think they have an hour long show, but they only had me on for the first segment. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I've noticed that there's some podcasts that are actually doing live video stream on YouTube of the podcast. So Somebody- not, not only are they doing the actual recording on YouTube, but they're doing it live stream. Well, someone the other day was trying to convince me that we should do that. And I said, they don't listen to our podcast. It was a, it was an online entrepreneur guy Uh who very smart, but in a very different space. And I said, you know, a lot of times I'm nursing and we're doing, (laughs) we're juggling babies and someone's running upstairs to check on a baby. And I said, I just don't think that would work really well for a live video. You know, it might provide comic relief, though. Well, he said, he was like, I think a lot of people would show up for that. <laughs> I don't know how to read into that since considering <laughs> I said I usually am nursing, but I'm not today. We actually have both Catherine and Caitlin are here because we're doing it later on in the day and they're watching the babies upstairs. All right, today, that was long. the long introduction to, uh, to say today we're going to be talking about stop proclaiming negativity over your life. We're going to talk about teens and toddlers and hard days, but... Can you change that to proclaim positivity in your life instead of being negative about it? Oh, I guess stop proclaiming that sounds kind of negative. So saying, let's all be positive. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I might come up with a different title for this by the time we get through it, but... I know what you're trying to say. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts because we've been talking about this on Instagram recently. But, Jesse, something came to our house two days ago. Is it two days ago? Actually, no. Let me look at the date. Because I don't know three where days you're going ago, with this. Something came to our house <laughs> three days ago. I went to go grocery shopping. I came back home. There was a strange car that was pulling out of our driveway. I was very confused. I walk in the house and there is a vase or a vase of flowers. Hmm. Jesse was recognizing and acknowledging and remembering and trying to make me cry and just, I I just blew me away with the fact that 20 years ago, on June 14th, we started our courtship. Mm-hmm. And if you're wondering, excuse me, courtship, what does that mean? Well, you have to go back and listen to our podcast episode. We'll link it in the show notes all about courtship, our courtship rules, our first kiss. Yes, we had a very um, outside the box beginning to our relationship, mm-hmm. I would say. But the flowers were a very sweet gesture. And it's weird to think it's been... 20 years. Yeah, it's 20 years. And the reason I got those specific flowers is because it was 20 years ago. I got the exact same flowers, but they were not 20 years old. But you were, I just remember you walking up to our house and you were so nervous. nervous, so nervous and so awkward. And you brought these mm-hmm. flowers, but I, I thought they were for me, but you didn't ever quite 
like communicate that so that it was just sort of like, were they for the family? Were they for my mom? Was it for me? Because, yeah, but you've gotten much better. You wrote me this really sweet note that came with the flowers too that was very poetic. And I just, in 20 years, just think how far... How far I've come. <laughs> well, yeah, because that's not... Romantic gestures like that aren't really your strong suit, I would say. But you have... Over the, over the past 20 years, I've built that muscle. You have. And yeah. so it was... It was just really blew me away. So happy 20th year core diversary. <laughs> well, what's saving my life this week is writing out lists for our kids. And this might seem weird considering we have a 16-year-old, an almost 14-year-old, and a 12-year-old, also a one-year-old, an 11-month-old. Don't write lists for them. But last year, for summer, we were pretty much just home all day, every day, all the time for weeks and weeks on end. Mm-hmm. There weren't hardly any activities. There wasn't really any sense of normalcy. And it was great. We were home. We had just, you know, Kirsten was a newborn champ, had, you know, just come home from the NICU shortly before we brought Kirsten home. And so we had these two babies and we were home as a family. It was just really sweet, but also really quiet and simple. And so this year, summer, I feel like is in full force. And I was talking with someone else and they were saying, it's almost like we're we're trying to make up for the lost time of last year, not having activities and social events. So we want to do everything this summer. It just seems like there's so many invitations Mm -hmm. and so many opportunities and so many activities, which is wonderful. But we haven't practiced and built our muscle, like you just said, of having too small, like a toddler and a baby and doing the summer thing with all the activities. So it has felt a little bit like I don't know how to do summer. I don't remember how to do summer. How do we do summer and have older children and little children? Mm-hmm. Well, we've never done it before, really, because last summer was so different. So one of the things that we had done in previous years was every morning I would write out a list for each of the kids. It would have things on it like reading time. And now it has time for watching the babies and doing laundry and other household chores and just other things that need to be taken care of. And, you know, we usually like they would know that needs to be done or we might throughout the day ask for them to help with that or whatever. But having it written in a list like these are the expectations. It's so helpful for me also at the beginning of the day to just think of, okay, what are the things that need to be done today? And then divvying it up. And there's no more than six things on the list usually. And it's stuff that they can probably complete in an hour and a half, two hours or less. But it has helped me so much to just start the day by kind of brain dumping, setting the expectations so they know the list is telling them what to do instead of me having to nag or ask or forget that it needed to be done. And it's just really been saving our life. And ever since we started this just at the beginning of this week, today's Thursday evening, the week has just felt a lot calmer compared to the last few weeks. And so I just wanted to share it as something that's working well for us. Jesse, I know that you have something that you were going to talk about last week mm-hmm. that we didn't get a chance to because our podcast episode went so long. We had so many things to share. 
So what was that that you were going to share last week? Well, last week I talked about wanting to do things this summer that kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone and try something new. You know, I've always heard, heard the story, you know, when was the last time you did something new? And When was the last time you did something first, for the first for, time? For the first time. Same principle. But it's... Um, so I there's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. I've, I've known a lot of people that are involved in it, and um, they seem to really enjoy it. And that was uh, to go and uh, start at a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym. So uh, I decided to jump in and sign up for a free trial. And actually, I had started by going to the uh, gym's website and looking around and I don't know if I submitted a contact form or not, but somehow the gym owner knew that I was lurking around and interested in information. So that's a little freaky. He texted me, and so I so I must I must have submitted submitted something. Well, unless it was on Facebook, I think there's a way you can do that. But anyway, contacted me and said, "Hey, saw are you interested?" And, um, I think cause I asked about the fundamentals class that they have. And, um, so he invited me in to join up and start the free trial and or not free trial, but a, um, cheap trial for five sessions. And I'm about to the end of that. And we'll be starting up when we get back from our trip to, on a full-time basis. So you said Brazilian jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Are there different kinds of jujitsu? It's a long story. Oh, well, then maybe we shouldn't go into Enneagram 5 here, but... Uh, generally, most jiu-jitsu is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Okay. But it has its ties back in Japanese culture. Okay. And it's kind of morphed. I just so. we I just always think of it as jiu-jitsu, and then you mm-hmm. said Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Also, I didn't know this is something you've been wanting to do for a long time. Now I feel really badly that I, I think you've possibly mention wanting to do some really. kind of self-defense I've or been something. wanting to do some self-defense classes, yeah. And we, and we dabbled in Krav Maga here a few years ago with the kids. And I was I started out... Uh, did you do some classes with I that? I did some classes with that, uh, and especially with Catherine. But I got injured shortly thereafter, and so I stopped. Got and injured at the classes? I didn't get injured at the classes, but I had got some injury afterwards, so I really wanted to slow down a little bit and get healed up as far as that goes. And also I didn't three, know it took you three years. Yeah, I didn't know necessarily three years. Sarah-ly that I wanted to that just go went right the, over your head. Go the Krav Maga route. So Well I'm glad that after three years you're healed up. You and really ready. wanted to <laughs> Well as far as books this week I have been listening to The Orphan Train. I believe that's what it's called. I get a little bit mixed up before. with because there's another book that I actually read recently that has a similar title. I'm actually going to look it up right now to make sure that I'm not saying the wrong thing. Is it an older book? No. And so I believe last week, no, it's not. Just as, Oh, The Orphan's Tale. See, there's Orphan Train, which I loved. But this is the orphan's tale. But what is confusing? It has a train on the front of it. That explains so, why you're thinking of the train. Yes. Okay. So I'm glad I looked this up. So it's the orphan's tale, and it talks about like trains. Um, it's a really fascinating story. It's fiction, obviously, but it's about the circus 
and how during World War II, they actually hid Jews in the circus. Mm. So I guess this is historically accurate that this is a thing that, so some of the circus performers were Jews and they were able to hide their identity by having them perform in the circus. And the circus continued on during the war. Um, It was on a much more reduced scale, but they Mm -hmm. continued it at least in this book, from what I'm understanding for much of the war. And is it, where's the book set? um, Well, they were in Germany, but then they, this circus train with would go travel all around. And so they actually left Germany and went to France, I believe. And then they, I'm not finished with it yet, but so they would travel to different and they were able to, because they were the circus and they Mm -hmm. were allowed. Now they talked about how they had to really scale things down and get a lot of permissions and that sort of thing. But they were, they hid Jews which I thought was very fascinating because that's not a story of World War II that I've ever heard. Do you know if the circus, not performers, but the proprietors, were they German or were they Italian? Because I always thought that a lot of the circus was run by, by gypsies that traveled around. I don't know. I don't, they probably said, I don't believe that in this particular story, they weren't German. But they were based in Germany, if I'm getting okay. it correct. You're so much better with all those types of details. I, I listen to the the details of the story and mm-hmm. like the story arc and the the writing, mm-hmm. and you're thinking of geography and all of that. But it's uh, by Pam Johnoff, who she wrote the book, I believe, last week. I talked about, if I'm remembering correctly, my brain doesn't always work right. Or my brain doesn't work as well as it used to with so many details in it. But especially I believe, with grammar. I believe I talked about another audiobook, fiction audiobook that I'd listened to um, by her. Yes, the one that we had, I had 26 minutes left. And then, yes, so it's that. So it's the same author. I really enjoyed it, um, that book. And so I went and I looked on Libby to see if there were any other audiobooks that were available to borrow since Mm -hmm. I'm still waiting to get that one that has 26 minutes left. Anyway, I, I have, I think I've listened to about six hours. There's about three hours left of this book. And it's really fascinating. Um, I, I looked at the reviews on Amazon and they're not as strong as the reviews from the book I listened to last week. But I still am finding it to be a well-written story. And I have not figured out how the ending will be. So I like it when, when it keeps me guessing, Mm -hmm. like, I'm not sure at first I was like, I don't know if there's the same amount of depth. I'm not sure that I'm going to like this. And then it's, it's pulled me in and I'm like, I'm very confused as to how it's going to end. So I have to keep listening and let's hope Libby doesn't stop with 26 (laughs) minutes left. Mm. Jesse, I, actually was going to pick a book for you because no, you've not been reading a book, but you've been using a book a lot recently. This could kind of go into what's saving your life as well. Sudoku. Oh, because you saw me playing it before we hadn't started. You have the Sudoku book that we got. I don't even know. Years ago, ago. I think Mm -hmm. on some international trip in there, it's a big Sudoku book Mm -hmm. and you, you've been doing it a lot. I feel like it's been something that you really find. And do you find it really enjoyable? I find it challenging. That's why I do it. Just kind of to challenge your brain and challenge your Mm -hmm. mind. Well, it's impressive to me. I've only finished a couple of (laughs) Sudoku, um, actual game. Is it called a puzzle? Mm -hmm. Um, in my life. And so you just are 
I feel like, have you been doing one a day? That's my goal, but I'm on, uh, it's separated into five or six different levels. I'm on level three and it's hard. So I usually end up looking in the back of the book for answers. I found, and the puzzle that I was just on today, I was trying, I had to figure it out because the answer in the back of the book was incorrect. It actually had duplicate numbers in the same line. So I had to prove him the book incorrect, actually. So I didn't know it had answers to the back of the book. Well, I can do that kind of Sudoku. I'm sure you can. Let's talk about stopping proclaiming negativity. I don't think that's grammatically, I was going to say grammatically, grammatically correct. Stop proclaiming negativity. Where did this idea to talk about this come from? Well, I went over to a friend's house this week. She's a fellow foster mom and she has three little ones at her house. She is fostering, well, she and her husband are fostering a little girl who's um, close to Kirsten's age. And then they also have a just turned two-year-old and a brand new baby. So they've got two, one, zero. And I just went over to hang out with her and help out a little bit. Um, and she was sitting on the couch next to me. And so she's at the very beginning of her motherhood journey. And she was telling me just how much she loves her two-year-old and how much fun they have together. And she just loves watching her learn how to talk and be able to communicate with her and for them to have conversations. And she looked at me and she said, it's just so hard because so many people though tell me, you just wait, just enjoy this right now because it's going to get terrible when she's a teenager or something along those lines. And she looked at me as someone who has been mothering for, you know, over a decade more than her and who has teenagers and was curious of what my response was to that. And I just told her, I said, I love having teenagers. And I don't, it's not something that I'm just telling myself that. That is legitimately how I feel. Mm -hmm. I mean, I look at little Kirsten and I look forward to, I love the season, the stage. She's just at this fun very busy, but very fun stage where she's just learning so much and learning how to talk and just communicating, interacting with us and just, just, just makes us laugh. But I look at her and I see someday she's going to grow into a teenager. And I just can't wait to see what that's going to be like, because I love having teenagers. And I just think of How many young moms are just living in dread of the future Mm -hmm. because this negativity that is being told them about how terrible it has to be in the future and it's going to be, and it's just a given. And I feel like I just, it just breaks my heart to think of that. It starts from the beginning because I remember when, when the kids were born, when they were young. People were like, it's just going to get worse. Just wait till they're two. Just wait till you have more than one. Wait till you have more than one. And wait till you have more than two under three. Oh, it's so difficult. But it never, but, you know, people would, would lead with that negativity. And if you lead with that negativity, it's just going to paint a broad picture of, of negativity in in front of you. And that's how you're going to view life. 
And if you take the positive and stop believing the negativity and um, then look at things positively, it'll just completely change the way you live, the way you, the way you look at life. Someone on Instagram actually said that she said when she was a young mom, an older mom said to her, you get what you expect out of life. So she said, if you go into the teen years expecting that it's going to be terrible and awful, it probably will be because mm-hmm. that's going to be your attitude. You get what you expect. And this applies to so many areas in life. And I was just thinking, if you wake up and you're just like, oh, oh, today, I just know it's going to be an awful day. I've got all these things that I don't want to do. And it's going to be a terrible day. And you go throughout your day kind of mm-hmm. looking for the bad yep, and the terrible seeing. and the discouraging. You're going to see that. It's just like if you're getting looking at a certain car, that's all the kinds of cars that you see is the, that one car that you're looking for. So you get what you expect. You find and you see what you look for. Now, this is not to sugarcoat the teenage years or to be like, we're just over here being like, la, 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 la. Or No, but it can change because it's, it works with the positive. If you look for the positive, you'll see the positive and you'll take that out of it. No matter how many hard things there are in your life, there's always something to be grateful for. And I think if we go into, let's say, the teen years with this negative attitude of they're just going to be terrible, it's just going to be so hard, we're just going to all be miserable, everybody's going to fight, everybody's going to not get along, they're going to be rebellious, and we just kind of foist that on them, then when it does get hard, Mm -hmm. we're just like, well... I mean, this is what we expected. And we almost, I feel like our kids pick up on that attitude. They pick up on that attitude of this is what we expect of them too. But if on the other hand, we expect that there are going to be stretching things. We're going to need Jesus like we've never needed him before. And there are going to be some life lessons that are going to be learned. We're going to have to pray a lot and you know, look to the Lord and lean into the Holy Spirit. But we get to walk with our teenagers. We get to see them becoming adults. We get to see them stepping into new roles and new realms and learning new things and growing and making mistakes and learning from them. When we have that sort of attitude, then when they do something, that is frustrating. Or they do something that, yeah, they made a big mistake and we've had plenty of those at our house. Then instead of us just berating them and getting so upset with them, we can look at it from the lens of, what are we going to learn from this? What are we going to take away from this? How can this experience teach us, us personally as parents, then also how can we walk with our kids so that hopefully it's a learning experience for them as well? And how can we lean in and love them in those moments when it's really hard? And when they're having that bad attitude, where's it coming from? Instead of just being frustrated with them before having a bad attitude, really digging into, are they hungry? Are they tired? Are they sad? Are they scared? 
is something going on in their life that they're feeling helpless or overwhelmed and it's coming out sideways as anger or rebellion. And so seeing them communicating things that can on the surface appear as bad attitudes, seeing that as an opportunity to recognize a warning flag and a warning sign that, oh, oh, we need to stop and dig into this. One of our kids just recently, there was something that happened and one of our kids just recently, there was something that happened and they got really angry. There was just this huge explosive outburst that came out of nowhere. And I had a choice in that moment to kind of look at them and be like, I'm sorry, excuse me. We don't act like that. And to just feel, you know, beat myself up as a parent that my child could explode like that and just, you know, send them to their room and be like, you do not act like that. And it just turned into this really tense situation. Or instead, in that moment, I recognized they're crying out because they're hurting. And there's this hard thing in their life and they're trying to process it and they've, they're not, they don't have the tools to do that. And so to just go to them and put my arms around them and say, I'm so sorry. I know this is really hard for you right now. And I know you're really sad. And I understand because it was a really hard thing. And it had happened multiple times and it was outside their control. It was outside of my control. And to see this as that outburst while they need to work on, you know, having right responses and the emotional language to say, I'm sad or I'm scared or I'm upset or whatever. But to see that outburst as an opportunity for me to really lean into my child and for us to then have a great conversation and for me to see that they, they're really hurting about this and it's really affecting them. And I wouldn't have known that had there not been that outburst. So I guess for me, changing my perspective on things, it's really changed my ability to love my kids. and. It's helped there be so much more calmness in the way that I've parented because it's not about the future. It's not about my reputation. It's not about fear or pride or selfishness. It's about leaning in and loving them. We got on a little love-centered parenting tangent there, but really the proclaiming negativity, I just challenge everyone listening to pay attention to the words that are coming out of your mouth, the thoughts that are going through your head, and where are you allowing negativity to cloud your perspective? Where do you need that perspective shift? You get what you expect. And where do you need to change your expectation so that you're not just foisting negativity upon your day, upon your teen, upon your relationship, upon your church, upon your job, upon your marriage, upon your toddler, whatever it is in your life, stop proclaiming negativity. Or Jesse, what's a better way to say it? Start proclaiming positivity. Yeah. Start preaching positivity. How's that? Did you have any other thoughts? Nope. As always, short and sweet. 
Well, thanks for joining us today. We are taking next week off because we are going to be on a road trip to Kansas and well, the week this comes out. And so we will not be recording a podcast episode that week, but we'll be back the following week. I think we might have some special guests on that one. So stay tuned for that. Have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.